Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hello. Okay, it is Thursday. We're here in the studio. Going to go live. I guess I should give this to you, huh? <laughs> We're going to go live here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, getting started with today's Paula Price show. I tell you what, it's hard to believe that Dr. Price's birthday was just last week and that we have lived this much life already in just a week. And so, as we kick off with this week's episode, I tell you, uh, we are really in a place in the world, in the church, in the body of Christ, where things seem to be exploding all over the place. Uh, no matter what we see, no matter what we hear, the news wants to believe wants us to believe one thing. Even the statistics, because here's how I feel about statistics: when you study statistics, you have to know that they can be manipulated like anything else. And so what you do is whenever you want to get statistics, so whenever you study stats, you have to find out how they got them. Uh, Whenever they want to skew something, so let's just say right now, we have all these stats talking about the body of Christ, the church, how people don't love the Lord, they don't know the Lord, so on and so forth. They they don't read their Bible, blah, 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 blah. What pool of people do they ask? Because I'll tell you what, in all the years of all these stats, nobody's ever asked me a question, okay? Does my vote not count? Who are they asking? How many people? What demographic? That matters in believing stats and facts, which is why with polls, and I've learned this actually from this last election when I was listening to talk radio, and they were saying this is actually how they craft statistics to make you believe one person is in the lead versus somebody else being in the lead. And so they pull one narrow pool of people, a certain amount of count, and then they say, this many people is going to vote or this percentage of people is going to vote for whatever. And so what you don't realize is that it's not a fair, accurate, balanced, just system. It's to do what they want. So when you hear these stats about the church and what is or is not happening, Hello. When is or is not happening, go read the fine print. Several weeks ago, Dr. Price said, drill down on what you're learning, on the people you're following. And so when you see these stories and they say 65% of Christians no longer read their Bible, you need to go look at that poll and read the small print. They polled 1,500 people, probably in a youth group, that don't even read anyway because they don't read in school, and they're going to tell you they don't read their Bible. Well, that is nowhere near an accurate representation of the wider or the narrow body of Christ. Like, that's, not even, that's not even good at all. And so, uh, you know, you have to be thinking about sets, thinking about facts, and doing your research as to where they're getting this information. How is it coming to them? What angle are they trying to pursue? What's the end game? Who's going to win in that? Because I can't believe that that many Christians don't care about Jesus. I just can't. I just don't believe that. He's still Lord. 
if he's still moving in nations where they're chopping off people's heads and they're getting saved, I'm sure in the United States of America, there's still a huge fire and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is my kingdom announcement before our apostle gets up to do what she does is to take what she said several weeks ago about drilling down and doing your research and to take it to that perspective of research. Don't be so quick to believe. You know, they're running joke is, hey, if you find it on the Internet, it must be true, right? I mean, it's on the Internet. There's no commercials <laughs> out there. And uh, no. So now we're going to shift into this portion of our studio with our apostle who is looking rather fly. Working it out. Rather cool today. And we're matching on We are matching. We were that jacket that I have that you got me like that. You like that? Yeah, do you? Yes. Well, that's good, though. That's hanging tough. Yay. Yes. In the spirit on the Lord's Day. On the spirit on the Lord's Day. Yes. So I was, you know, just encouraging them to, as you told us, drill down, do your homework, and that lots of information is manipulated even about the body of Christ mm-hmm. so we will believe something that isn't true. Well, you know, one thing that became very popular in the 60s and the 70s was propaganda. Ah, yes. And so we began to realize about the propaganda machine. Now, for those of you who like to do your homework, as she just exhorted us, the propaganda machine was when you just kept spewing uh, uh, negative information about your adversary. You just kept, you, you, again, false stats, and you just did that to break down the faith in the institution or the faith in your adversary or what the people were advocating, you know, you, and, and the whole idea is to, to let people know that, yeah, you might be the only one hanging on. You know, it's kind of like the Bell 7,000. You know, Elijah said, I, I'm alone left, and God had to say, excuse me, hold on, I'm not a failure because you don't think I'm winning. See, and that's where it is now. They keep painting God as a failure so that you won't know he's winning. I don't know about you, but I think that's an amazing thing. Yeah. And so they keep telling you all of the, the shortfalls. Young people don't want Jesus. That's not true. We still, youth groups are still going. Now, did we take a blow or two? Right, but not everybody bowed their knee to Bell and kissed his ring. And not everybody kissed him is what the scripture actually says. And so I am 100% in, in, um, in agreement with her. We were reading um, and I think they took it down because, you know, when, you, when they get exposed, you notice it, it, exposed information tends to disappear. <laughs> they, they, you know, you can tell when people, they don't even want you to find it. So I think that somebody ought, ought to have a find it web, uh, web um, browser. Find it, though it's gone. Yeah. Find it anyway. I think I would name it find it anyway, where they take all of that stuff that's provable and that's been proven to be, uh, a lie to be uh, deceptive, and they put it in the web, and that's how 13 is. Nice little, you know, when I grew up, we had 513, that's great basket. And so, um, but I think that we need that because you need to be able to make your own decisions. You don't need to be gullible. Do you know we got here because the enemy took advantage of our gullibleness, of the church's gullibleness, because the church is very gullible, and it's gullible because they think salvation takes you to heaven. And, you just, and you're just like a little automaton on earth, but everything else about you is in heaven, and so you can take it at face value. Not that it's discernment. You know, Jesus said, be wise as serpents. And I bet you the devil knows his stuff. And the devil knows his stuff no matter how much we Christianize it. He knows 
his influences. He knows what he designed, and then he knows what he clothed it in. So we, which, and Jesus, now you say, well, I don't know if that's God. Well, I don't know. We talk about sheep and wolves clothing. And wolves and sheep clothing. So there are people who are flat out wolves, and they're wearing their sheepskin garments. And we only judge by the sight. Said, you know, we, we as God's people, we judge by what we see. And so we, they, they're wearing sheepskin, so they must be a sheep. But the world has a statement that said if it walks like it, talks like it, sounds like it, it doesn't matter what it's wearing, they call it it. Dog, bird, pick one. And so you have Okay, well, that was a, an alert somewhere, somehow. Text coming. Text beeping. So I just need you to understand that if we're going to take this back, we're going to have to take it back with honesty, and we're going to have to take it back with intelligence, and we're going to have to take it back with per- perception and uh, perceptivity and acuity. You are going to have to go beneath the surface. We are The reason you all are tatted up is because you went by what you saw, and you did not know that that was a devil who was dressing himself up in the gospel of Jesus Christ, or at least a perverted version of the gospel. That's why y'all tatted. You know, you tatted up all over your body and whatnot, and you're let, because Satan told you Jesus doesn't mind. Well, he would tell you that Jesus doesn't mind. And sometimes you need to go the opposite of what the devil says, because remember, he got kicked out of Jesus' world. Jesus defeated him in three worlds. We're not talking one. One defeat, yay! But he's been wearing the heavyweight champion of creation's belt, which is the girdle of truth, forever. Forever. And so you need to recognize when you start hearing things that have been traditionally not God being pushed as God, you need to find out where that demonic prince is because there's a demonic prince who's working through a priest. And so you have got to get to a place. Can we just give God a praise about that? Because you need to recognize that the reason your child left Christ is because a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing convinced you the opposite of what is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to come a day, honey, when people are going to have pure and unmarred bodies again. Because, you know, the, the, the word tattoo means marred and scarred. And there's going to come a day that they're going to do it. And those of you who are young, I'm just going to tell you because I know you do things when you're in your t- teens and 20s that you resent and regret when you're in your 30s. And, and when you're in your 30s, you're going to meet Mr. Wright. And Miss Wright, and they're not going to want to go to bed with a costume, with a cartoon character every night. They're not going to want to have to wrap their arms around somebody's bad art. They're not going to want to have to go to the beach and explain why you look like a billboard. See, there's coming a time where people are not going to want to go to bed with graffiti. And then there's coming a time when they don't want to have to explain to their children why their parents look weird. And I don't care how much they're telling you that it's okay. I'm t- when I go in restaurant and I look at these bad tattoos and now the, the, the proprietors are letting the people wear it, you know it's a turn off. 
It's a turnoff because that's your culture. I didn't come to your restaurant for culture. I came to your restaurant for cooking. Mark my words, because you can talk to a lot of people who had all of that body, they call it body art, I call it body graffiti, because it's graffiti. And that's what graffiti is to do. But you leave it on brick, and then you can go to the brick, you can get some sandblasting, and you can get it off. But some of you all, you all, people will not date you because they don't like your art. They just won't tell you because culture has gagged them. So they will just tell you, I'm not, no, mm-mm, because they don't want to go out, go out every day looking like, but you were looking like some sort of bad art, a graffiti wall. And I promise you, and my words have not failed in these areas, I know the spirits that come and go into the realm. I know them, and I know when they came and when they'll leave. And I promise you, you all are going to meet people. You're going to miss some of the best people in your lives simply because they don't agree with your childhood impulsive decisions because you have put yourself in a place of permanence for a temporary trend. Now, that's just one thing, but not everybody want to go out with a carnival. And that's what you look like. You look like a carnival. You got stuff coming out your face, whatever. And did you know a lot of that stuff went back to Star Trek? We forgot Star Trek was the inseminator of that so that you can look like aliens in the, in the human realm. A lot of that went back to Star Trek where the, they had the piercing. They, you remember they always had the bar scenes, the, what I call the galactic bar scenes. And in the galactic bar scenes, you had all kinds of things, things growing out the ear, piercings up to here, hooks there, stuff hanging out. I mean, we look at Black Panther, the, the, the man with the, the, the lip that's hanging out and the dish you can actually have supper at his lip table. <laughs> and so, and then they told you that you ought to have a tolerance for that because that's their beliefs. Now, that's what you're told, and you're told that because the whole idea is that Christianity is purity. See, that's the issue people miss about Christianity, that we're pure. We don't look like the nations. Jesus did not come here looking like the other gods, beat up, tatted up, etc. He did not come here like that. He came here clean, clean-shaven, looking like the priest of the Most High God, looking like the model of the priestly institution that he founded. He had to model what he founded. Otherwise, he would discredit my linear of representation simply because he would have to adopt the ways of another God. I'm going to hit that. Come on, I'm almost up. Coffee's coming, guys. Coffee's coming. Water's coming. Lap club, we had horns. Who took the horns? Oh, would you like this to be a weekly? <laughs> no, but I just want to know that they're hanging under here or something. I'm going to have me a little cash bag under here for all my... <laughs> yes. But, oh, good. Thank you. But I want you to hear something because I want you to understand. You know, first of all, I just love my, I love my team. My team is my, my friend. They're my honey. But I want you to understand, see, because a lot of this stuff, you keep you all keep accepting coming from devils or doctrines of devils and seducing spirits and commandments of men. That's God's three, op, three um, um, op, what do you call it, opposers. 
doctrines of devils, seducing spirits, commandments of men. If you're going to do your homework and not be gullible, then you're going to have to go into what God says is the doctrine of a devil. You can't listen to the devil tell you that it's a doctrine of Christ. He's an imposter. He's a liar. He's a cheat. And he's a flop. You don't know it because you don't hear the story because we don't talk about it. I I wrote my book, and I'm going to push this book. As surely as Jesus is Lord, I don't care about a scary publisher. I don't care about a scary preacher. I don't care about a scary prophet or an apostle. I wrote before the garden for the people of God to be set free and to be set free from the doctrines of devils, from seducing spirits and the commandments of men, to be set free from the the, uh, cliff notes of Scripture. We got scripture cliff notes. This is what helps somebody on the plane so it becomes a doctrine. But I'm going to tell you, I am who I am in the name of Jesus Christ. I have outstood, outlasted all the crazy. I have outlasted all the waves and the trends. When you get my age, you have rid out, ridden out a lot of storms. And I promise you by the Holy Ghost, before the garden will take the world and it will change the church. And it does not need the authority of those who have sold out, ran out, bowed out, whatever, to do so. As surely as Jesus is Lord. Because you know, the one thing you have to know when you are a pioneer, when you're a, a pace setter, you have got to know when you've got a winner. When I wrote that dictionary, I knew it was a winner. I knew that thing would go around. Now, did I know it was going to do as well as it is done? No. And so they're going to find one of my copies of my books, and they're going to have it right here. It's the, in my office, I think I got one. And so I want to tell you this. You need to hear me. The answers to not being gullible in Christ are in before the garden. The answers are to, uh, to what is a devil doctrine, it's in before the garden. The answers to seducing spirits is in before the garden. The answers to the commandments of men is in the, before the garden. I wrote that book to stand off with that thing. And I'm telling you, I know folks scared. I know folks are scared, but you need to understand your fearfulness about reading these things is not you. It is not you. You are not that cowardly about Jesus Christ. As long as we've known people, they have been interested in Jesus Christ. This is the book, and I'm going to push it everywhere I go. And you know why? Because when God sends an answer to setting the captives free, the captives are the last one to get it. The captors decide whether the captives get free. So we don't talk, I'm about, yes, I am. My uh, daughter, Chief Prophet Tyler Price, has been preaching it for years, breaking it down. Right now she's under the heading of king and kingdom. I'm going to tell you that cowardly spirit on Christianity will die, will die. I promise you by Jesus the Christ, that cowardly spirit that has been used to make you afraid to know the truth that will set you free, to know the truth that will make you free, that thing will die. I promise you it will, and it will die if I, if I got to teach this myself, and I'll teach it chapter by chapter if I have to. But I promise you, by the Holy Ghost, there are people sitting in high uh, positions decreeing that you stay in your captivity. There are leaders sitting in high seats of decision makers making who have decided that they don't want you to have to learn how to be free. That decision is being made for you. That is why this book is, we're still here trying to figure out, well, why doesn't somebody want to preach the truth? The basis of before the garden 
garden. The basis of before the garden is that the, what makes the church vulnerable and susceptible to demonic uh, influence, doctrines of devils, and seducing spirits is that the majority of what you know about Jesus Christ is confined to what has been recorded on his three-and-a-half-year ministry. Three-and-a-half years. Now, we, we, we want to run 2,000 years of success and longevity on three-and-a-half years. Before the garden takes you right out of that, and it takes you all the way back to where it began. It takes you back to before Genesis 1-1, and it's all in scriptures, all weave for you. So you need to recognize that if you want to understand your God and you want to get God's mind on it, you need this book, and you need to teach it. Don't go there and say, well, you don't understand. I read it there. I went to sleep. Well, of course your captor would put you to sleep. Why are you surprised that you're sleeping? Your seducing spirit is going to put you to sleep. Your seducing spirit is going to knock you out. Your seducing spirit is going to give you a headache. Your seducing spirit is going to, because it's doing what you won't do, and that's protecting its territory and protecting its holding. So those devils are going to make sure that you don't do it. Those devils are going to tell the publishers, no, your people, no, people are not going to read it. Are you kidding me? People read, you realize Dick Wolf books are three times the size of this and complicated? You realize Grisham books are, are you kidding me? You all, I've watched people on the uh, plane reading books so thick you think it's an encyclopedia. Only Christianity is deprived of all truth. And the full version. Christianity can't take a thick book. Yeah, well, they just don't do it. No, they just don't sell. No, you just don't market. You don't sell them. My dictionary is 600 pages. 600. Now, does everybody have that much to say? No. Because I'm stunned that I do. Amen. But that's the gift of God. And you got it? You put it on a shelf and went and got a thicker book to read, went and got a thicker newspaper to read, went and got a long video to read, but downloaded a Kindle that took so long that the, your phone says too much memory. Because you have been conditioned to believe that Christianity and naivety and gullibility and idiocy are the core that cannot be broken. Yet you go to your job and you read manuals that are so thick that, that you, you listen, and the density of the writing is so dense, and you don't just say, Dear Lord Jesus, whose work I can't read. Dear Lord Jesus, whose work I can't tolerate. Dear Lord Jesus, whose volumes are too big for me, please help me break those barriers for my secular job and for secular literature. You ask this man to help you read a book that is thicker than his Bible, denser than his Bible, with terminology that is so, so high that you have to have three other books to let you know what one sentence means. And you know what you do? You ask God for the strength. You ask him for the grace. You ask God to give you the mind of Christ because you want to use your portion of the mind of Christ for the world. And we got publishers. Christian publishers who are saying, and that's your lot in life. That is your lot in life. You will never know the deep things of God because the deep things of God are defined the measurement 
The stick, the yardstick is defined by those who feel like what God saves are shallow people, what God saves are unenlightened people, what God saves are unlearned people, what God saves are unintelligent people. You understand that is the word on the street about Christianity. And your thought leaders decreed it. Your thought leader said you won't know. Now, your Jesus said you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Your Jesus said deep calls under deep. Your Jesus said iron sharpens iron, but it's the thought leaders that determine the texture, the density, the strength of the iron and the depth of the water. Your thought leaders decree this life that you're living right now. Just like my work is decreeing the life of those who follow me in the future. Your thought leaders made it so you couldn't answer anything. Your thought leaders made it so you did not tell your children they needed to go to church. Your thought leaders made it so that you did not prevent them from getting tidying up and bringing the, the judgment of Jesus Christ on their lives and your world. Your thought leaders did that. And they're still doing it. Now, I know because I know the resistance that I'm facing to tell you what's in the Word. Before the garden, a history of eternity as revealed in Scripture. Why don't you need to know the history of eternity as they claim? I think you would want to know the history of a place you're gonna that's existed forever that produced you and produced your temporality and that you will inherit forever. You don't know your inheritances. You don't believe Jesus is Lord because your thought leaders has have excerpted all of those pieces. Of, of uh, scripture and put them in a book to keep you out the Bible. Just like Jeroboam and Rehoboam came up with false worship centers so that the people of God would not would no longer go to the truth and be free. And they would not be without a realm. This is not a new tactic, but you do need a new voice telling you about it. And so when I look at this and I say, um, but this is not so, because, you know, today, when you, when you tell people it's not so, they don't even ask you why, because people are not taught to think, they're taught to feel, and they're not taught to respond, but to react. Now, the difference between responding and reacting is that the end of the word respond is the word pond for ponder. So they're not responders. Ponder means contemplate, give thought to. Think out. See, words have become, they've taken the words that used to distinguish intelligence and, and uh, uh, knowledge and wisdom and information from the rest of the communications that people are, or what they used to call the vulgar communications, the vulgar means of the people. Okay, so they used to do that. Reactor is something else because react means to act after. Act after. So today, people don't respond. They react after. I truth, they don't investigate anything. We, I cannot even tell you how many meetings I've been in where people have told me my history and you weren't there. Told me my accomplishments and you didn't help. Because they're reactors and not responders. Because responders have to think through the situation before they act on what has just happened. And so when we start dealing with what God has given me, you know, people will tell me they've got, they have so many canned phrases, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's really embarrassing. Well, that's how what God gave you for your tribe. Not if you're a founder. He gave, if you're a founder, and I am, 
that I have what he gave me for his realm. And you need to understand what is tribal versus what is realm. Because you have to understand the distinctions between tribal knowledge and realm knowledge. Because realm pertains to a nation, nationality, and to a people. Tribal pertains to a family. And God does not have 12 families in the kingdom. He's got seven churches. And the church being, ecclesial being, an entity in a realm, he's got seven particular ecclesial realms that he has chosen to populate the world with. And they're based on the seven spirits before the throne. But you need a book like this. See, you need a book like this. You need a book like this that tells you what was Jesus doing before he made himself into sperm and and joined Mary's egg. What did he do? Because, see, many of you all don't know that he had a life before that. He had a pre-spermatic life. He had a pre-somatic life. Know that. Half of the stuff that you all are fighting about is about somebody's doctrine, a man's doctrine, commandments of men who hasn't been tested. The Bible said God's word has been tested seven times. He tested his word and the work that it would produce seven times before he produced us. Because he know you have to test it that much so that you can mitigate mistakes and failures and flaws and also correct them. I'm talking to high thinkers now. I'm not talking to the feelers. The feelers, we went from movers and shakers to feelers. We went from holy rollers to scolders. So I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to those who are daring to be thought leaders, who in order to be a leader of thought, you have to be a thought inseminator, an evaluator, an examiner, and there's a whole lot more to that. And you have to recognize when you have hit the the cardinal number, the odd number that can't be split, the cardinal color that can't be split. You have to know that. And before you open your mouth, you have to start being a responder. You have to start pondering what you've just heard. And you need to ponder before you act. So that's what we don't have. What we get is actors who, people who react, act on what's been said, and act things based on what's been said without ever deliberating it, without ever considering it, its merits, its values, etc. And this generation of people will have to be taught. First of all, it has to be proven to them that you are not a responder, you're not a thinker. You realize that much of what people say to us today, especially those of us who have been holding the fort, has to do with the weapons of Satan's warfare. They're critics. They're accusers. They're disparagers. But are you a ponderer? Can God count on you to think things through? Can God count on you to think things through? Because when you are a thinker, yeah, no, I'm not taking this down because I want you all to get this. That's why I'm still saying it up. It's going to stand up because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to push this thing, and I'm pushing it hard because there are a lot of you asking God for answers that are in this book. And when you bought the book, the devil and those spirits that have been overlaying your life and, and, and creating the, the false barrier around your world, or, 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 literally a barrier masquerading as a hedge. 
See, devils want hedge of protection too. They don't want your hedge breached because behind that hedge is them as a barrier. They're barricading your spirit. They're barricading your soul so that you never, ever want, you never appreciate truth even though you crave it. You crave it. I know there's something more. I know this cannot be the A and Z of God. I know, I know, and on and on and on we do. But you have got to make it your business to say it's worth coming from behind your barrier and, and breaching that hedge. Some of you, you think your hedge is Christ, so you only know five things. You built a hedge around it, and your devil said thank you so that you'll never know five more. So you don't know. You have to ask yourself, am I hiding behind the hedge of Christ or am I hiding behind the barrier of my spiritual opposers, my spiritual guardians? You have to know that because if you are hiding behind the barrier of the spiritual guardians, if that guardian is not of Jesus Christ, you are bound by a lie that feels like the truth. And it feels like the truth because it was too easy to come by. Truth is work. Truth takes time. Truth is painful, not because it innately is that you can't equate it to, the, to the, the characteristics of a disease, but truth is a solution, and solutions hurt. Truth is an answer. Answers can hurt. Truth is revelation. It's disclosure, and they can hurt, and they hurt your history. They hurt your education. They hurt your training. They hurt your doctrine, all of that thing, and when all of that stuff gets to squealing, you say, I'm so confused. It's too confusing. I don't know what she's saying. We have people that enroll in my school all the time talking about, I just don't get it. It, She just writes, no, why is it me? Why doesn't it begin with you? Why is it me? Why can't it be you? Why can't it be your training that's blocking truth? Why can't it be your credentials, your education, your accolades, your research, your products? Why can't they be the ones blocking truth? Why does why is it that I have to be the problematic issue? I granted I am the solutions and solutions and problematic go together, but you need to ask yourself, is this me or is this what I'm reading? I was telling uh, Norma, we were coming into the show. You know, she just absolutely loves driving me around. She gets all this good stuff. She gets all the off-the-cuff stuff. And so, and if she didn't want it, she'd get it anyhow. And she's smart enough to act like she likes it. I will say that she's a ponderer. She ponders everything. I'm gonna. I'm telling. We're gonna bring ponderers back in vogue because we're gonna just. We're gonna not just act like res is the only way to ponder. And so she brings, I said to her something, I was telling her, giving her just an example of how spirits keep you from moving in your life. First of all, they paint a false picture. They paint a false picture. This is in this book. They paint a false picture, which God calls an illusion. In other words, they enlighten your mind with their illusions or their ideas, their vision for you. So you think Jeremiah 29, 11 only came from God, but Satan got his own version. So they paint a false picture, and then they gloss it over with all of the sweet things that tend to draw you to that picture, attract you, so that it bind, you bind your soul with that picture. Now, 
after you bind your soul with that picture, you have validated it, and it becomes part of your life. It settles down in your heart. So that picture now joins your reservoir of desires. And depending on how powerful that that force is or how alike what you really want to happen is, it becomes a stronghold. And so your heart begins to process that picture by reprioritizing your life. That is why some of you all, you set out to, to be a, a, a particular professional. You set out to get a, a, a career, and the, false, the object of a false picture walks in, and you marry to the wrong person, get pregnant by the wrong person, move to the wrong place, jump fence. All of that has to do, the false doors that come, have to do with the enemy's version of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for you. So now it's in your heart, and it's, it's being processed so that it's being ranked in order of what your will is to go out and make happen. So that false picture, depending on how pervasive it is, how much of a grip on your life will have, it will, it will out-prioritize, alter the priority of everything else. So now all you can do is think about this thing. All you can do is do it. And then the enemy does the reinforcements. You keep dreaming about it. You think every dream comes from God. But if you look in my dictionary, there's something called the dream angel. And so you start dreaming. And you dreaming, and then after the minute, as long as it's quiet, you're almost safe. But you can't keep it quiet because it's building strength, this spirit, this, this assignment on it, the, the literal components and the coding of that false picture that started out as a flaky dream now has been upgraded to a fantasy. And so the fantasy upgrade is where your will has got to make peace or reconcile itself with that vision, that image, etc. So what do, now there's the kick out, the things that would threaten that false image, the things that would threaten that the, the manifestation would threaten its continued gestation in your heart and your emotions to move it from your heart to your will. And all of that, that's getting kicked out because this thing now is taking on its own defenses and it's creating its own defense infrastructure, structure, explanation, lies, abandonment of friends, neglect of people. All you know, now all of a sudden nobody can find you because you are with the group that's going to make this happen. You're quitting jobs or you're quitting relationships or you're jumping ship at your church. You're not doing things that you used to do. People can't get you to join them. You don't want to go out any longer. All of those things have to do with the new strong man because you invited it in your life. I don't care if you invited it at three years old when you fell down and nobody cared to rub your boo-boo. And it took advantage of that moment of vulnerability and sowed a seed. I don't care about that. But there's something, something magnetic, something drawing that brings your, your whole being into the infrastructure of Christ or not. That's why your children should go to church early. They should go to churches that teach the Bible and not just play with games and all of those kinds of things. Like, I just want you to understand that. So anyway, so now... This strong man has removed its competition and removed its rivals in your heart. And now it's turned into from fantasy to obsession because it's ready to move. It's ready to, to manifest. So it's now the obsession. Now the obsession begins when you're, first of all, your volitional self has made the choice. You did not 
maintain. You did not fight it back. You let it happen, and it became that it, as a desire you really want. So because you know, like even that scripture that we like to bandy about, that the Lord will give us the desires of our heart. You know what? Nobody talks about that firsthand. That's why the church fell into fantastical obsessions, because we don't talk about the part that says delight yourself, delight yourself in the Lord. So we don't require the God delight to filter and vet your desires. So you're not pursuing God's desires because you didn't go back and delight yourself in him. You didn't trust God with your desires. You wanted to go after it yourself, and you wanted to get help from everywhere else, other books, other magazines, other venues, seminars, conferences. You wanted to get it from anywhere but the God that made you the God that owns all your ways. God wants you to go back. And that scripture correlates very, I think, very compatibly with James when he says, submit yourself to God. Then resist the devil and he will flee. See, you all, he didn't flee. You didn't, and you stopped wanting to resist him and began to insist on him. I insist on his ways and will. You forgot that. It correlates as well with the love scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then your neighbor as yourself. See, in every priority, or rather in every example, the, the functional, the wholesome priority is eliminated. And it was eliminated because you fell under the spell of a seducing spirit, the doctrine of devil. Because if you said that, I believe God gave it to me, you have no proof that you delighted yourself in the Lord. As a matter of fact, your life does not reflect it at all. You don't have time to read your Bible, don't have time to go to church, can't work in the ministry, keep abandoning your post. You keep forgetting to pray. You keep forgetting to serve. You keep forgetting to tithe. See, all of those are signs that God is not your delight, but your desire has taken over. And you are validating your desire without his delight. Submit yourself to God. Submit, are you kidding me? God told me to do so-and-so, but I just let him know I can't. God told me to do this, but I just told him I'm married. I just told him I have a family. I just told him I have a job. I have a career. I mean, I know he said it, but. So now when the devils of all of those things that you have put made priorities come up, you've got to make peace with them. So you do. And so you, you all decide to cohabitate, to get, we just going to get along. So a lot of people made a, made a get-along covenant with the devils in their lives long before they made a get-along covenant with God. So y'all got the whole, when people say that to me, I already know we're in trouble. Let's just agree to get, let's just agree to disagree. Well, if we're going to agree to disagree, scripture says that how can two walk together and so they be agreed. So you're obviously not agreeing because we got two different gods we're pursuing. And we've got to come to terms with the deities that we're giving credit for or that we are drawing on for our success. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then your neighbor is yourself. Well, you can't love God because, first of all, let's go back to we can't submit to him because we don't delight in him. And what you don't delight in, you certainly are not going to love. So when you love God, then he's your delight. 
when he becomes the delight of your love and the, he becomes the delight of your life or your desires. When you do that, then you, you can submit to God because you've trusted him. I've tasted him and found him wonderful. I've tasted him and found him to be faithful in all things. So you realize that you, that test was failed on three different scales that you did not yourself know about because you were lit, reading the Bible of excerpts. The book, so-and-so's book, well, the book, you know, you know, the Bible said, delight yourself in the Lord. He gave you desires in your heart. The Bible said, resist the devil. He has to free. The Bible said, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you understand how you got bound? Demand set a stage. And truth demands holism or holism, which is where we get holy from. Truth demands that. It requires that. By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. According to Leviticus 11, and before all the people, I must be glorified. So the people are not glorifying Jesus. Christians don't glorify Jesus. They explain him away. And I'm not saying all Christians, like Apostle Ashley said, God still has a bunch of folk who love him. And a lot of them may have fallen into these ways, but not, they did not walk into them openly. They stumbled into them because they were looking for the truth, and they got hijacked by the lie. Their faith got abducted by deception. So now you get an opportunity. Listen to me. These three things are very important. I need you to remember the, tr the three tripwires of failure, seduction, seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, commandments of men. And it is your job because it's your soul on the line. See, Satan is already lost. De devils and demons don't have a hope. But God sent his son into the planet to give you a living hope. And you need to know when you're jeopardizing that hope. I don't care how great it feels for the month. Sin is always pleasant, just like any other sample. Samples are pleasant. You go buy the whole box, you're like, yeah, I hate with that flavor. <laughs> you thought you liked it because of the sample. Took it home and realized that you could only take but so much of the sample. That little bit, that's it. That's enough sample for you. You know, or you get a sample, and it's in a nice package. Take the sample home. It's a nice package. You go open it up. You're going to use the thing, burn your skin. So you understand that samples are not always the best product, and your response to samples are not always healthy and wholesome. So here we are, doctrines of devils. And listen, you might have to get an older Bible because the new translations don't like to hurt Satan's feelings. They like to get along with him. They don't like to subject, subject Satan to Christ. They don't like it. So you may have to get an old one. You might. I go. I told you, I, I go, the older the better. I'd rather have somebody teach me from an old Bible that has truth than for a new Bible that has a contemporary understanding of eternal truths. See, I, I, I understand that. I, read, I have them. I, you know, I love the Esau. For those of you who don't know, I like the Esau people. I bless them. I really, I really do. I wish they'd upgrade their app a little bit, but the Esau people are amazing. 
they, I'm telling you, I love those. All anything you want, all kinds of references. Just to go on the line and hit eSword, and then they're gonna tell you, you know, how to download it. I love it. Every time I get a new computer, the first thing I want is eSword. And then I go and I'll get all the references I need, looking after reading the books and all of that kind of stuff. I love these sort of people. Also have access to all of the Bibles so you can see which one. You can do your own Bible comparison. Now, if you are a scholar or, or, or a theologian or, or a researcher, you will love that. You will love it because you don't, have to be deceived. Thank God for the internet. I know you all only see the devils on the internet, but I want you to know I see Jesus all over the internet. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I like Brother Google. I know he's not not that hot on Jesus Christ. I don't really care. But you know what? He's hot on comprehensiveness. He's hot on totality. He's hot on dominion. And I'll play that card. I'm going to find everything I need to know about Jesus. I do think that we need a lot more sites like that because People's favoritism, you know, because our nature being what it is, biases in us. And so, but I'm telling you, I like it. I can key in and find all of those stuff, all of the, all of those scholar, scholastic papers. I like that. That's how I research. That's how I look at it. And I did it all after I became the literal, not just embodiment or ingestion, but the literal substance of God's inspired word. Because we are born again by the incorruptible word of God, the word being seed. So I need you to know that. So I want to go back to this example. I told you we got up to um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the spirits now becoming what you want. They, 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 they now have moved into whatever. In other words, they created this veneer. I like to say they cre- created a demonic membrane on your life. And look up the word membrane, and you'll find out why something. All your organs are held in membranes. They're, they're sack. And so they create a demonic membrane on your life. Your entire, so you're in this, this invisible but very, very uh, potent bubble. And they begin to nourish you. And they begin to nurse you. And they begin to incubate all they want to bring to pass in your life. Kind of like the baby in the sack, you know, until the water breaks. The baby's in the sack. That's your life. That, 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 that divine principle is how you become the property of seducing spirits and how you are conditioned, primed for the doctrine of devils. Yeah? So aren't we learning? So now... These are living beings, just like the, those, those membranes and the sacs on everything else biologically. These spiritual nomadic membranes are, have a life of their own. And so they begin to nurture you from your heart all the way. From the, and the heart is the most important place because it is the what? It is the reservoir of the, the moving tissue, the only moving tissue of your blood. And it's carrying to all of your immaterial self, your whole soul, your whole spirit, everything that has now become your hedge-turned-barrier. And everything's fine. It determines what you learn, what you don't learn, what you like, what you don't like, what you can receive. And let me tell you something. See, God's adversaries know that. That is why when you go to school, they teach you doctrines of devils. 
See, they teach you so that they are literally feeding the you that has been being incubated from the moment you said, I agree with this illusion, when that devil came to scout you out, because they're always scouting. And so they, they, you go to school now, and you find out the only the courses that coincide with that appeal to you. You can remember the information off of them like that. You, you're inspired. They motivate you. And this is not, I'm just giving you the demonic side, but there is, this came from God. But you just need to know when this perversion has taken over and usurped what God has for you, the true Jeremiah 29:11. The true one, Psalm 139, 15 to 18. You understand? The true, I love this thing. The true Psalm 40, verse 7. Hebrews 10, verse 7. Those are true things. The true generation of Jesus Christ. You have to know that. And that's why you need training. And that's why you need teachers. And that's why you need apostles and prophets, highly educated, highly developed apostles and prophets, not just highly degreed. And see, we fall in, we, we, we allow the degree to define what, whether or not that high officer is developed. Well, they got, a, they got a doctorate degree. So there's a lot of people, a lot of doctors who need, not, what do you call it, malpractice insurance. Because while they were degree, maybe they needed more development. So you need to find out how developed these degrees are for what you need, what's going to cover your world, your life, your family. So we move on. And so now you're in the education process. And in a minute, you're about to be released. First of all, the population, the spiritual population of what is taking over you is about to overwhelm you. And you're going to meet the friends, and you're going to meet the people who are, I'm free. I'm too free in Jesus. I can do what I want. You're going to meet the libertines and the hedonists and, or the hedonists if you want. You're going to meet the philosophers. You're going to meet the licentious. You can really meet all of the players in this thing. And then your captivity is sealed, and it's sealed to their fate. You know, people say, well, what is fate? Fate is what happened to the devils that didn't win. Faith is the judgment of Christ on the devils that lost their bid for his seat. That's faith. So now you're, you're part, you're in, and you're accepted. You like it, and you like it because you can claim Christianity and live like you never met Christ. Because you, while you were allowing this to be incubated, the seed of Christ was being suffocated. So it didn't grow up. So you haven't come, you have, as far as God is concerned, you've come nowhere since the sinner's birth. Nowhere, if indeed you were seated by the new creation. So now, here we go. Now we've gone from that where you've got the population, you're accepted, I mean, you're in, there we go, glory to God. Because see, the desire of your heart is getting ready to happen, but since it didn't begin with God, it can't be manifested by God. God permits it. You know, they talk about the permissive will of God. They don't have a clue about what they're saying. Because, see, if it's the permissive will of God, you're not the, oh, you don't permit God. So clearly he's saying there are things he permits in your life. He permits your way. He permits your course. He permits it for his purposes. I'm just saying. So as we go forward, 
and now that you're in, now manifestation must happen. They, those, that population of spirits and thoughts and ideologies have all converged in your soul to go to work on the desire you authorize them to make happen. Share, share, share. Share, share, share. And I'm telling you there are many facets to bringing a baby into existence. It is that many to bring a heart desire into existence that's meant to be the anchor of their life, the source, the providence, and everything that goes with that. So now we're at manifestation stage. Isn't that wonderful? And they have done their work in your soul. And now your soul is issuing edicts, commands, codes, and enactments to your mind. And your mind is programming your organic brain so that that brain can command that body. So it's taking the command center from the heart and bringing it to the brain because it's already saturated everything else. And that brain will begin to tell every other organ in your body how it must conform, convert, etc., to not only safeguard this vision, but to secure, and secure it, but also to go in and embody it, to bring it out of the body into the world. Now, I'm giving you this because that's what the Lord told me to do. Because some of you all have glimpses and have, in, have had inklings of different parts of the stages that I laid out. So now the body, the brain, has become the new, the next guardian. So what is it going to do? Not allow anything in that conflicts with what it's just been programmed to do. So you're not, so the brain is going to, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't know. No, that's foolishness to me. No, that's not right. And the brain begins to do its job. And it begins to shut off all of the things that will impede its purpose and its performance. So now the brain will tell the, the physical heart, this is what will make you happy and nothing but. It will deal with your organs. It will, every, every physiological counterpart is going to adapt to what must embody this desire because it's got a higher command. And the, higher, the highest command in your, in your entire psychological Soulological makeup is the desires of your heart. And since you didn't delight in the God that put them in there in the beginning, it has to switch out everything for that. I, I hope this makes sense to you. I would love for you to answer me, talk to me about it, let me know, because this is how God trained me. Now, I know he gave y'all other people other things, but see, the difference between what I've just shared with you and what you may have become accustomed to is that I at, I'm at tier one. Most of the church is operating on tier two. He will give you desires of your heart, tier two. You will, you will um, resist the devil and he will flee, tier two. You will love your neighbor as yourself, tier two. I started tier one. Delight myself in the Lord. Submit myself to God. And love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my everything. I just say, Jesus, I just love you with all my everything. If I got it, I love you with it. 
You have got to understand your captivity has to do with that first tear. You, as Ephesians say, you have forgotten your first love. So you're doing all of the works, and you're getting meager returns in comparison to what you killed. But you won't know that. Now, did you notice? I'm sitting here. I never put this book down. I want you to know where you got it. But I'm sat here. Did you see me open a page? Did you see me quote a page? I gave you an entire numer psychological neurosomatic explanation of how you got where you are. And I did it because that's what I do. I just gave you the answers to, and many of you all, I'm not reading them. I'm sure they can tell me. But many of you all, you're blown away because you're hearing answers. You can go back in your mind and see when you bought into that first vision that was not Christ. Because if you notice, from the moment you bought in, you had very little intervention from the Holy Ghost. God said, I'll permit this to play out. And I'll permit it to play out. I will do it, says God, because you need to find out from within how you wrecked what's out. And you need to accept it, own it, honor God about it, and tell him, God, man, Lord, I did. I sure did. I said, hey, Jesus. You know, I'm going to talk to him just, you know, like that. Hey, Jesus. I blew it. Like, God, I really messed up. And why didn't you stop me? I asked him one day, why didn't you stop me? You're the almighty. He said, you wanted it. I told you, desires of your heart means desires of your heart, not the ones I approve of or the ones that I disapprove of. If you break away from the delight clause, then you're going to have a desire that I don't approve of. If you stay with it, then I will relieve, uh, reveal it to you. There are many plans in, the, uh, in a person's heart. Jesus says that. And I said, well, I need you not to lead me to my own devices. You, as you can see, I don't do well on my own. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to need you to step up and step in. He said, when you invite me, I come. And when you resist me, I don't. Because the Bible said, the Lord resists the proud. So I'm practicalizing the inspired word of God for you. Write that down. I am not just reciting it. I am not just referencing it. I'm practicalizing it because wisdom practicalizes the inspired word of Christ because he's the Logos. But I think that, how are they handling? Oh, it's the amen choir out here. <laughs> Y'all ain't many. Share some of your stuff so other people can read them and, and, and gain insight from your experience. You all know I read every post because, you see, you get, I, I like it. And if I don't like it because I didn't read it or I didn't like it. My other apostle is across the way, and my prophet is out there on her way in. We're going to shift into the second half. And I want to give you an acronym for prophetic. So you'd like this. Oh, wait, do I have to move or can I write first? Write first. Okay. You want to hear it? Yes. Okay. Prophetic. 
perception, revelation, optics, prediction, hope, exposure, tenets, T-E-N-E-T-S, intelligence that leads to God's conquest. And if you want to add the S, put systemic. That's a, I make it, made that for you so that you can have a whole week to research all of these terms and see how you can practicalize the inspired word of God. Did you want to come up? Do you want me to come up? Do you, are you ready to take your seat? I got a gavel here. I got the bell over here with this prophet. There you go. Yes. I have stats on tattoos. Thank you. You do have to do that. Interesting. If you wanted to. Yes. That's why we do this part two. I got my part out. How about you? How are you doing, Prophet? I'm doing good over here. Do you have blue? I have blue today. A lot? Yeah, I brought it because, you know, sometimes I have to add more blue. I know that's right. So we gotta add more blue. Well, before we um, before we get into feedback, I want you to share that. Okay. See, that's what makes it interesting. This is a site, historyoftattoos.net. And so, I mean, they, it's really for people I think who want to like tattoos. But these are some interesting statistics. That I will pull. It's funny I was talking about stats earlier today. Send me that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will. Okay, so it says although tattoos are almost mainstream nowadays, how much do we how much we really know about this phenomenon that started about six thousand years old? Six thousand B C. Mm-hmm. So when you tattoo, you're going back to the B C D at least. Interesting. Yes. And if you go back to B C I'm not a joke thing, you know that. Yeah. But if you go back to B C deities, then you're gonna go back to Israel who was prohibited from tattooing themselves according to Leviticus nineteen. Mm. I'm just saying. Go on and say. Go okay. Let's see. Uh, 17% of those who have tattoos regret them. The most often reason is the name of another person. <laughs> yeah. Because, see, you got to take Mary Jane off and Bobby <laughs> Ben off. Yes. Now that you're married to Sally and Joe. <laughs> see, I told you, they don't want to look at that forever. I'm t- uh, okay. Uh, U.S. has more than 20,000 tattoo parlors. This number grows by one every day. Interesting. But it grows because we haven't stopped it. So we yes. will start killing that growth in yes. the name of Jesus by the Holy Ghost. We just, see, crazes grow because demons inspire people and, and move them to, make, to buy into it and then to celebrate it and bless it. Yeah. So we're just going to stop the growth since we are the ones seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Would you... Uh, you know, I saw I saw a bumper sticker. This is a, on that topic. I was uh-huh, driving uh-huh. behind somebody, and um, their their sticker on their window said, "You know, Jesus loves me and my tattoo." And I, uh, my question that I'm posing to you is, do you think that this is a matter of sheer rebellion, or is this a matter of erroneous teaching, or is this both? Number one is both. If they are really saved, they're going to ask Jesus about a tattoo. If they ask him about a tattoo, they have to verify that he answered. That's good. And that the seducing spirit 
that is moving them to tattoo or to, to themselves against God's body yeah. is it. But I just want to tell you something. Jesus may love you and your tattoo because Jesus loves his Jesus may love you. Hate your tattoo. We love our we love the meal we ate. We don't want to carry the garbage around. That was a good meal. Wasn't that good? Okay. But what do you do with that plate? Clear it in the garbage because we don't want to keep the trash of our love. You may love your husband, love your wife, but wow. you don't want to carry their poo around. Oh, uh, no. No, thank you. <laughs> or your child, because people change those diapers and they do wrap them 25 times. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll do this. Yes. You, don't, you're, you love your baby, and you know what? You still don't want to carry all of that around. <laughs> now, you will love what happens to them, but you will not love what they get into. So I love my little tots, but they were always into stuff. And I had one of them that just absolutely would change their diaper and leave poo all over the place. <laughs> you know what it's time to be, be trained. Yeah. I love them, but they're behind still went in the bathtub, and Ooh. I washed off the stink, the dirt, and the poo. Tattoo is graffiti on your body, and the Bible says that if you are a Christian, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you cannot say that God told you to go and mar his temple. You can't even mar temples of the world because half of them people are going to hurt you. Oh, yes. You can't graffiti for temple. If you are a Christian, then your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You cannot say that the same Holy Ghost that gave birth to Israel, that gave birth to Mary, that said, let there be, you cannot say that same Holy Ghost told you to go and mar his residence. Wow. Of those who have tattoos, 70% have more than one and 20 have more than five. Okay, let's see here. Uh, 72% of adults with tattoos have tattoos that are usually hidden by clothing. More women regret their tattoos than men. And let's see here. Um, There is a statistic about why people get them. Hold on, let me jump around. Um, Most commonplace for women is the ankle. Men is the upper back and shoulder. Okay, in Australia... 47% 47% of tattoos that are removed with a Q-switched laser require up to 10 sessions to be successfully moved. Mm. 20, and now you got them all over your body. That's what you're not doing. Yep. 26% no, of no. tattoos require more than 15 sessions, which is why when people regret their tattoos, they said another stat that they just get a different one tattooed over oh, it then have it removed. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, small tattoos cost about $45, while larger ones cost about 150 per hour of work. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Um, where is the one? All right, so it says that 42% of people think that tattoos don't make people any more or less attractive. 24% think that they make, and 22% think they, they didn't make them attractive. Mm. Uh, 36% of military veterans who served in the Army and the U.S. have tattoos. Um, and now, wait, where is the one? Because there's one that says it talks about the statistic of how many people get them because it's a, they think it's sexy, it's rebellious, or it makes them more intelligent. Where is that? I just saw it. Hold on. Oh, here we go. 31% of those who have tattoos feel that a tattoo makes them sexy. feel that it makes them or shows them as rebellious, while 5% feels that a tattoo shows them as intelligent. 
Now, here, now, how can one person's art on your body make you intelligent? Shows you as intelligent. You, you, I mean, to me, that's like saying that when you go in, you know, every picture that you see in a museum or any other display intellectualizes you. No, people intellectualize. To me, anybody who makes a permanent decision from somebody else's art, to my body not going to be a canvas. And that's what it is. Tattooing yep. says you have given your body to somebody else's vision. We talked about that vision. Yep. Somebody else's vision of what it is you think you should wear. Just their artwork. It's not yours. You didn't draw that on yourself. So you don't. Have, you literally are a poster child for somebody else's vision or somebody else's idea and imagery. So you become, you, you're their iconic representative. You're not your own. You have to go to a person to get a tattoo. That person draws a tattoo based on whether or not they're popular, whether or not they're good, etc. And as far as that goes, how it turns to sex, but then in America, everything is sex. Dust, boo, a flag, a building. I'm trying to tell you, um, you know, animals, toothpaste is sex, hair strands, sex. You know, this is, let's not forget the the little old old, old folks falling off the couch over rice. I'm like, and it's stupid. We are dumb, we have been the dumbed down company. Yes. Country. And I'll tell you something that's very important that you need to recognize. When you think about when everything has to be funneled through sex, and that's, first of all, I'm telling you that's what the people at the top, that means that America is pubescent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're still in puberty. That's why they think masturbating is good because that's what kids do. That's why they think kissing in the background and, and sexing in the girls' room and the boys' room, that's all pubescent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is, and, and, and when you think about it, this is a pubescent nation. We have been in existence in under 300 years, and we have corrupted ourselves more than all of the older nations. That's right. Tattoos, 6,000 years old. Okay. All of these other so-called cultural rites and rituals, old. It's not new. I'm going to keep saying that. Don't tell me it's new. And don't tell me I'm dated because I came from eternity, and you came from literally, you came from the dust. It's not just your body. Your ideas came from the gods that fell. Mm. So I come from the living God. You come from the fallen God. I come from the God that beat them, and you come from the ones that are defeated. And I'm going to keep saying it and keep decreeing it so that the body of Christ will stop acting like we're the underdog religion of the planet. I am not the underdog. We are the alpha dog of religion. Huh. If we're, going to call it, we're alpha lion. I like the lion of Judah. We're the alpha. Mm-hmm. We come from the alpha, and we come from the omega, and not all of that in between. That's not who we are. Christianity came to earth. Everything else was grown up from the earth. Yeah. And, it, and when Christianity came, it came, and it crushed it. This is why, that's why they don't like us. Because, honey, I want you to know, when you read our history and see how we got there, I was like, oh, we'd be bad. We're, whatever they're Christians, where are they? Anything else you want to add? Yeah, this last one, uh, 32% of people with tattoos claim that they are addicted to ink. But did I not say, God told me tattooing is a cutting disease. Yep. It's just a decorative form of cutting disease. Instead of just having any old scar, you have somebody draw the scars on you, but it still draws blood. And the Bible said you should not draw blood for another God. 
see, I think that that's the part of the tattooing practice um, that we're not looking at. People don't think of the fact that you bleed. You know, if you watch uh, those tattoo programs like Tattoo Inc., which I think mm-hmm. comes like the TLC and other shows, um, one time just happened to catch it. And I was actually really surprised at how much blood and the fact that they have like a, a towel that wipes oh, yes. the blood as they go through. I was actually a little surprised by that because we are so sometimes divorced from the origin of things. Mm-hmm. And even, or the, or the, the practice of them is really what I mean to say. We're so sometimes divorced by the actual practice of it. I think that that goes back even to the abortion issue as well. You know, no one, you're not, see, you're saying that you agree with it, but you're not in those rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not there when the when the baby's being torn apart. You know, you're not there when the, the, the poison is being injected, injected and mm-hmm. the brain is being crushed and all the different things. We don't have to look at it. So we can say, I think it's the same, same thing a little bit about tattoos. We can distance ourselves from it, and you're just seeing the result. You know, you see the paint on someone's arm, but we're not, you're not in that moment when literally the blood is pouring out from mm-hmm. their arm as as the tattoos being engraved, you know. Uh, so I think that we distance ourselves from those things, and that's how we can come up with the rhetoric that we have. I do, and I think that I like that you brought that up because I firmly believe that the you all out there, if you're going to make a judgment call, then you need to go and visit and observe or go on Netflix or all of these other shows, YouTube, and watch what what it is. And maybe you might see God's problem with it. Mm -hmm. See, because right now you're saying, I don't have a problem with it, Mm -hmm. so it should be okay. Mm -hmm. So God has a problem with it. Let him suck it up. Let him just deal with it. But that is not what's happening. Mm -hmm. They are literally, literally shedding blood to another God. Because the God of God has already said he doesn't do them. So their maker, the Lord Jesus Christ, has already said, no, I know. And I'm going to call it his body graffiti. That's what it is. And when you look at I looked at one woman at a restaurant, and I thought, girlfriend, I'm going to need you to take your deception glasses off because that's ugly. That's ugly. I don't care who drew it. And so you're talking about mainstream. You're talking about we have to go into restaurants now and have to look at people's ugly body art, and the restaurant think that the, the that the the will of their server is more important than the yeah. price of their consumer. And I look at them, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" But trust me, my word doesn't fail. And I'm telling you, I don't care what you say. God sending them devils back to where they came, and without the devils to help them, they don't have the power to do it. Yeah. Now, they'll dream it, but they still need somebody that's going to reach the masses and sell it. What do you, um, you know, there's so, so much of this in the body of Christ now. And what would you say to the person who believes that their outer appearance, because I know you have something to speak into this. That's the only reason why I'm asking, because mm-hmm. these are questions that fly out there. You know, that their outward appearance is not an impact on their inward commitment. Like, in other words, I can serve God the same as you. I serve him with tattoos. You serve him without tattoos. And what would you say to that? Because I think a lot of people need to hear that perspective, because that's what's going around. You can't mm-hmm. really go hardly anywhere in mainstream Christianity. I have trouble even deciding where to take our teens, because what they're going to see is people marked, you know, from, from crown of their head to the, the soles of their feet, and this is what we're promoting. So I wondered if you'd speak into that. Well, the first thing I would have to say to you is that to the person who feels that way, I'd have to say the Bible says as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you're tatted in your flesh, you're tatted in your heart. 
and God did not, that means that you did not receive a new heart from Jesus Christ, or you fell into 1 Corinthians 7, 1, and you went and you tatted your new creation spirit. So, which will disqualify you, because the Bible says after God saves you, there's no more offering for sin. You need to read Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, because it says it very clearly um, that it, once you trample underfoot the blood that sanctified you, there is no more offering for sin. So God cannot give you another offering to wash away the sin of your willfulness as an eternal citizen of his kingdom. See, he couldn't do that for, for Lucifer, and he can't do it for you. And so it's very clearly, they said, as a man thinks in his heart, a man is valued by what others say of him. Now, it's very interesting because it sounds both, um, both of them, they sound kind of contradictory, don't they? But if people say you, you got the baddest tax and you got those tasks because of what was in your heart, they actually dovetail off of each other. Wow. So everything about you, you cut your hair based or not based on what's in your heart. So God said out of the abundance of your heart comes your sins and your crimes. So that means the crime of idolatry is in your heart. God is not the God of your heart. You got that because it was culture. You got your tattoos because it was trends. You heard it just say, Christian, you didn't get them because the Holy Ghost told you, because he wouldn't have told you to mark his vessel. He wouldn't have told you to stand up there and sport other gods, even the gods that, that of mockery of his word. Because he wrote his word in your heart. He didn't ask you to write his word on your body. He said, I will write my word oh my in your heart. I will write my word in your, in your, um, in your hearts and in your mind. He never said, and when, you, when I finish, go to a tattoo tolerance and have them tattoo what I wrote on your body. You cannot say this, God. You all, whether you like it or not, you're fallen Christians. You are literally apostate. You, you defected from Christ because Christ's old thing is holiness, and holiness by definition is pure and clean, inwardly and outwardly. Now, if you came to him that way, then his blood sanctified you. But if you have done it since he's come, he has no other blood. There's no, no more Jesus' blood going to cleanse you from the willfulness of taking on another God, a deity, and sporting him, him as your temple. My God. See, you are templizing other deities, and therefore Ooh. you're making Jesus Christ know he's no longer welcome as the God of your temple. Because your heart, he said, out of the abundance of your heart, as you think it's in your heart, in your heart you commit adultery. You may not have ever gotten to the act, but you did commit it in your heart. You watch those movies. You watch all of those kinds of things. You come right up close to the mark and then decide Ooh. we're not going to have sex, or you decide to have oral or anal sex in place of vaginal sex. All of that is still, in God's mind, idolatry. Mercy. Promiscuity is idolatry. And he said that. He said you shall not take the name of another God in your mouth. And you put it on your body. You should not make an image of anything in heaven, on earth, anywhere to worship it. And and then he said, and don't do like the Gentiles do. See, because tattooing came from the Gentiles. It came from the fallen, not the redeemed. So fallen Christians fell into it. He said, but you should not do what the Gentiles do, and you shall not worship your God that way. You should not worship your God with the things of Gentiles or the unregenerate or the ones saved. 
You can say Old Testament, New Testament, which I absolutely love that argument. You know, when God gave me a breakthrough on that argument, I must have ran that for like a year. Run it again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Run it again. <laughs> the author of the Old Testament scriptures, Yahweh, the author of the New Testament scriptures, Jesus, one and the same person. So they can't be old and new. That's why he said, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. He said I, uh, Israel was a single nation prototype. The church, the ecclesia, is all nations. See, but this is the kind of teaching you should have had. Instead, y'all put God out of your universities. You put God's Bible out of it and started teaching the commandments of men, seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils. And you decided to baptize God's church in the depths of Satan, as the Thyatira Jezebel did teaching them how to commit fornication, how to worship demons. You baptize them, and they, this is what that, see, not on my watch, but that's what the last watch did. This watch exists because of what the last watch did or didn't right. do. Right. So we have a tough job. And so you can, you can use all of those commandments of men and human rhetoric, and all of that is humanist theology and it's humanist doctrine. And all of that, you can use that, but understand, you can't prove it's God. You can't prove it's the God who called the light to shine in the darkness. You cannot prove that it is the ancient of days. You cannot prove that it is the God that inhabits eternity because your your God came to you on earth one by one. We God sent us one of himself, the Holy Ghost. One of him was enough to cover the planet and every Christ, every Christ child, every Christ um, birth, every Christ citizen. You see, that's what the problem is. That's why you have doctrines of demons plural, and the doctrine of Christ. One. Right. That's good. One Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism. One, 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 one. (laughs) (laughs) See, unless you have been with God, you can do anything with this print. You can do anything with something a person produces, but you cannot alter the producer. Ultimately, people are going to be who they are. And Jesus cannot be altered. The personhood of Jesus Christ, the one that, that, that Peter said and the, the, the apostle said, we handled the word of life. He, they didn't talk about a papyrus. They didn't talk about a scroll. They didn't talk about a brick. They didn't talk about a plaque. They said, we handle the living word, the word of life. They handled Jesus Christ. They handled his mind. They handled his heart. And they handled his soul. They handled his will. They handled his history. They handled his destiny. All of that is embodied in a person. That's why he said, I did not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them. That word fulfill includes embody. Embodify. He embodied them as the Savior of the world. He bodified them as the Holy Ghost that enters us, that puts him in us, into the planet. And so you need to recognize that that stuff y'all talking, you are talking to people who probably answered too quickly, probably didn't do enough research way back then and did it and all of that. But I'm telling you, they don't represent Jesus Christ. I don't care how sweet they sing. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So even if you wreck them, he still got, has no alternative to them because they're part of your genetic makeup. You want to get to the next thing? She, she want to roll over this. Both. I mean, 
the natural follow-up question would be, is there a recourse then once it has been committed under the new birth? Absolutely. Uh, God says he wants the nun to perish. And if you are genuinely sorry, there are a couple of things you won't do. You won't support them publicly because you know it's still make, you're still a marquee for it. Yeah. Okay. So you're not going to support them publicly. You're going to either buy something to cover them for the sake of that's your penance. Your penance is that you have to stop sporting them. Wow. You have to stop because people, the people who are watching you don't know that you repented. You said that, that nobody knows anything about my heart. I can serve Jesus from my heart. Well, nobody knows what's in your heart. So we don't know what you're serving Jesus or what you have rep- repented of, what you t- promised, what you vowed. We can't read your vows. We, all we can do is read your outward attire, your vows, your commitment. I don't care that you're still, well, I'm still doing things for God. Well, you're probably trying to do it to bribe him and to pay him off. We don't know that. Some of that stuff is bribery, downright ministerial bribery. I killed somebody in college. I thank God for not letting me get caught, so I'm going to be a philanthropist. Okay? See, because the heart, the, the heart speaks. It's abundance. So we'll look at you, but you'll speak all of the things that support what you did, which means you don't speak Christ. Wow. You'll start picking up on God's forgiveness because you need it. Not because you believe it, not even because you practice it. You're probably holding grudges with a lot of people. Okay? (laughs) But you'll preach it, and then you'll say, and the the half-hearted, you know, half-truth ones will say, well, you know, I'm still trying to work with that myself. Okay, great. We're glad you're saying that. But we can't know what you vow God. We cannot know what you promised God. We cannot know what God said to you and how you responded when he told you not to tattoo. We cannot know that. But your calling, your gifts and callings are without repentance, which means the realm, the people group, the body of Christ, and the, the ministrations that God ordained you to give, he embedded in your makeup, so he's tolerating your rebellion. He's tolerating your re- defection. He's tolerating your apostasy because you are no longer an agent for him. You're just a fruit bearer. He needs the fruit from what he ordained you to do. I need a break. Okay. okay. I'm okay. Lord Jesus. Okay. <laughs> oh, i got to hit something. Somebody hit it. Hit everything. Hit everything. Go ahead. Get your gavel. Because you think just because they're they're bearing fruit that God approves of the seed sower and the and the and the, yeah. the seed the inseminator, he doesn't. Yeah. Satan bears fruit. He's still going to hurt. Yeah. Well, you know what you said before. We really do. Okay. We really do believe that what God doesn't like, He stops. Until you yeah. said earlier, yeah. why didn't you just stop me? Why doesn't he stop it? If he believed yeah. that, we'd have wiped out Lucifer in heaven. Yeah. And we wouldn't have a problem with that. We wouldn't have had a snake. We wouldn't have had a guard. We wouldn't have had any of those things. We wouldn't be here right now. We really do walk around yeah. taking all responsibility off of us. Yes. Mm-hmm. If God wants to stop it, he, he will. So now it. he's all powerful. Uh-huh. Now he is. Now he's all powerful. Whenever it's something you really want to do, but you know you shouldn't, so you're going to put it on God. <laughs> so he doesn't stop it. Right. You know, I really shouldn't be marrying this person, but hey. If God doesn't want it, now, stop 15, the way. 15 yeah. people told you not to do it. That wasn't God. No, no. That was flesh. Y'all you just caught, trying to rule You caught the person in the act. That wasn't God. Yeah. All of these things told you along the way, previous 
partners and ex this, that, and the other, you know, they're not going to work out. Well, you yeah. know, well, that was you and our relationship is different. So that wasn't got all yeah. of these things along the way. So we do do that. And we think, well, he didn't stop it. And he, went, which we've talked about before, these fallen ministers with these huge numbers and yeah. these big followings of people who are not following Christ. I mean, yeah. we have to understand, like you said, false Christ have false Christians, false pastors, Absolutely. false apostles, false everybody. Mm-hmm. And the people, they amass the people who want that. Yeah. Because the rest of us, we've met people who have gone to some of these other places and what did they say? Oh no, I had to I had to leave when I got there because I realized once I got on the inside, right. oh no, this is not something I needed. My spirit was vexed. Even oh, yeah. if they don't have something oh, yeah. deeper That's than true. that, my spirit was vexed. I just yes. had to we just talked to somebody who uprooted their whole life, moved to another city to be a part of a ministry and realized I gotta go. I got to go. This is not it. This yeah. is not this is not anything that I saw preached mm-hmm. once you got inside. And uh so when you were saying that, I was thinking, yeah, we really do use the God will do it yes. escape clause when we shouldn't well, do it, but we want to do yeah, it. We put it on Going him. back to the desires, mm. the desire piece. When mm-hmm. your delight is not for him, your desires are mm-hmm. for you, yeah. and then it's, he'll take care of it. He'll do it. And the thing that we ought to, say, ought to realize, too, is that those mega churches, they were put in that person when they were born or even as part of their talent fruit. See, because we talk about talents, but your talent has targeted fruit. We talk about gifts. Your gifts have targeted and defined fruit. And so that was put in them despite the fact that they, were, they defected from Jesus Christ. God is getting his harvest out of the fruit. That's right. Because you notice a lot of these ministers went out here pretty bad. Yes. They went out sick. You know, the minister that said homosexuality is okay, you dying of AIDS. We're looking at you a size two. Well, we see why you said that, though. Why? But we understood why, you know. So you understand that God, when God's finished with the vessel, he harvests the fruit. And it's the fruit of your talent. It's the fruit of their talent, the fruit of their gifts, <laughs> and the fruit of their calling that he is indulging their misconduct and mischievousness with. He's waiting for, he said, I'm waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And we're like, ooh, that sounds good. And then your mind goes to a big field with a whole lot of fruit and a bunch of harvesters. No, there are people who are, who are being born whom God is waiting to grow up to get the fruit of what he endowed their parents with. And then their spiritual fruit. If you read the Bible in Isaiah, God said, but all your descendants will be called of God. Your descendants will follow me. So God may not like the fruit bearer. He may not like their habits. He may be indulging them and still want the fruit. King James was literally chosen by, what is her name? Elizabeth I, because she had no offspring. So she chose him. And told him, I will make you king, my successor on the throne. You must vow to do one thing. That vow was in the royal records and archives. You must vow to to get a Bible for the Protestants in the New World. Wow. Now, King James was homosexual. They said he never came out of his bed, and it was one, it was no end of stench, etc., coming from his room. But that did not stop the authority that he was given. That didn't stop the wow. authority that he was given to commission 
the King James Version. She raised him and groomed him in various things whenever they got together, in various principles, because her mandate from Jesus Christ, and she didn't say God, sir, generic. She said Jesus Christ was to establish his faith in the Protestant or establish Protestantism in the new world. Wow. She wrote that common book of common prayer. She wrote that. And she wrote it because this is why we got a problem with prophets, because she wrote it and she wrote prophets out. And she wrote apostles out because apostles are supposed to be uh, royal or monarchs. So she wrote it to exclude prophetics. So she wrote the Book of Common Prayers. And so all of them had their little sanctuaries, palaces have sanctuaries. All of them would go and read this Book of Common Prayers to people. We still use that today. I'm sure it's been adapted, certainly in Church of England, I'm sure it's been adapted down through the ages. But understand, God knew that James was a wreck. He knew James was not going to ever be his. He knew he was an unbeliever. He was a Christian by the stature of his country. Wow. Mm. And so he knew that. But God knew that he was the closest thing that she could trust to do what she wanted after her death. Mm. So his, his job was to see to it that all of his theologians and scholars, etc., produce a Bible that was the alternative to the Geneva Bible, which was Catholic. Wow. So, you know, I talked to a couple of young folks, you know, because they think you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. They act like you just got born again (laughs) yesterday morning. After them. After them. And and so kind of like we were twins and they beat me out the moon. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. on. And, And so they're always saying, because I am quality, in the apost- in apostleship and the prophetic, because that's who founded this thing. Mm-hmm. They don't even recognize that apostles and prophets are founders. We are the scriptures authoring mantles, and we are the ecclesial, the ecclesial founding ministers. That's what we do. See, I don't have an identity crisis, and people are so accustomed to yes. Christians and leaders having an identity crisis yes. and having identity gaps that they feel like they're going to fill in the gaps. And, but, I, 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 but this here, I had to learn this, not by any other reason than the Holy Ghost. How am I going to get you, you to get my church back on, on point if you don't know where the point is? How am I going to get you back in your place if you don't know what place is? And the place of the church is in the apostolic and prophetic mantles. That is the place of the church. From those mantles come the fringes and the threads and the streams called evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So I understand that part. I understand that. I understand why God had to do it in Europe and not Africa. Mm. Could we start with the fact that he began in Africa and they kicked him out? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's how the whole truth. Mm-hmm. Began in Asia, they kicked him out. Yeah. Began in the Middle East, they kicked him out. And so when you, when you look at the definitions, east is the rising of the sun and west is the setting of the sun. God said, if I'm ever going to get this done, I've got to get it done toward here. That's what makes America so pivotal, because they're the last of the sunset. Wow. So we have to understand this. And, so, and, and trying to talk to some of these folks today, they're so full of false doctrine and sketchy doctrine and redactions and all of that, they can't hear truth. And I'm telling you. Right. I'm telling you, God is raising up a people who will run on his truth. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're going to run on the highway of righteousness. Did you have some points Ooh, you wanted to make? So good. 
As you pick up your pen. Let me see. Earlier, you were talking about so many things. Um, the false picture and that whole segment. How can someone find out if what they've been pursuing is, in fact, false? They have to first want to. Most people are so invested in their false visions and false dreams that they have closed ears and closed minds to anything to the contrary. Because if they really want to know, they're going to ask God, A, to show them, B, to take them to where the confirmation is, and C, to verify that they indeed were false because it is a humiliating thing. That's why God resists the proud, and that's why he said that he humbles us first, okay, because it's humiliating to know that you have been walking around in a delusion. It's humiliating. Mm -hmm. And the only way that God lets you stay in a delusion is because you refuse truth. Thessalonians say that because you did not receive the love of the truth. So you've got to persuade God that you're ready to receive. Wow. And and that's if he's talking to you because most times, by the time you get to stage two of the process that I've had, God is allowing your devils to talk. He's allowing the seducing spirits to talk. And he's allowing their doctrine to become your truth. Because really, are you saying that along the way you've had to suppress or ignore or close the truth out mm-hmm. anyway throughout this entire journey. Well, you have to. In other words, some of you all, you went to the church, and when you, you didn't do what this person said, talking about I got to leave, even though it, it, your investment was great, you went in there and said, oh, well, what are you going to do? Or, well, they can't possibly be wrong because they're big. You know, you go and you begin to, you, you begin to justify it, and then you begin to uh, – to, uh, what do you call it, rationalize it. Thank you, Father. You begin to rationalize your deception. And so when the Lord realized that you did not choose his truth, in your moment of awareness or or discernment, you only get a moment, and when he realizes that, then God allows the devil you chose, the spirit you chose, and the doctrine that you chose to prevail and to have preeminence. And so you no longer can find, for example, once you do that, you can't get away from false prophets. Huh, I bet. Because they're there to see to the false prophecy that brought you into your present state. You can't get away from it. You cannot find the right church. Every time you turn around, you'll get drawn by their word, and then you'll, you'll stumble upon their sin. You'll stumble upon mm-hmm. their deceit. You'll stumble upon their fraud. You cannot, because truth is a realm. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a literal realm called the realm of Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sin is around. And sin has descendants. Adam's descendants. Sin has all of and God put all of that in him. He allowed he allowed that, that the spirit of that certain prince that entered him to completely infect and infest him with everything, doom, death, and destruction. So when you want to, and God will only answer your heart. He said, he said, you will, you will find me when you seek me, when you seek me with your whole heart. So if you can't find him, it's because you're not seeking him. You're just looking to feel better. You're not looking to accept what you've done. I think it takes a, a nice amount of integrity and righteousness to admit that you were driven by your passion mm-hmm. and not say it was God. 
Yeah, oh, because I think a lot of times we get in trouble because we don't want to, going back to the beginning about our delight, what we're delighting in, mm-hmm. we don't want to admit my passion in the end actually wasn't for what the Lord wanted. And it could be pertaining to who we think is a Christian. It could be pertaining to another ministry. It doesn't have to always be some sort of overt, obvious sin that we're driven to. But to say, oh, my, you know, my prophetic passion, my apostolic Mm -hmm. drive, it just hit me in a place. And I reacted thinking my reaction was completely in line with what the Lord was doing Mm -hmm. when it may not be. Well, you want to assume it's God because you don't want to walk around and say, I'm going to use my prophet's mantle against Jesus Christ. How many people are going to be that honest? Okay. (laughs) Whoa. You have to. And and if you are that honest, you're only going to be honest in your little demon circle and your little devilish meetings. You're certainly not going to stand on the pulpit and say, boy, I exist to take out Jesus Christ. Who's going to say that? I exist as an apostle a, a, a pretending apostle or an apostle of light, you know? I'm, I mean, nobody's going to say that. So when you first get it, you don't like God's ways. Mm-hmm. And so you want to uh, you want to say that God mellowed with years, that God softened his stance on sin, that God is easier, God is laid back, God is God has seen the error of his ways, he's seen the error of his judgments. You want to make all of those kind of implicative statements because you cannot face the fact that you don't like the guy. Wow. Yes. You love him because he shed his love abroad in your heart, but you don't like him as a person. You don't like him as a practice. You don't like him as a faith. You don't like him as a worshiper. You don't like his standards. You don't like his righteousness. You just don't. Yeah. And it's those areas that you have to come to terms with because they are the ones that require you to die. Right. You know, and I said to somebody once, God it wants what is wrong? God needs you to die. He's killing you because he needs you to die because too much of you are in his way. He's got to come by your history. He's got to come oh. by your sorrows. He's got to come by your debt. He's got to come by your church hurt, your minister hurt. He's got to come by your desires of your heart. He's got to come by the deceit. God's like, are you kidding? You too, what, too nasty a maze for me to want to walk through. I'll wait till you find your way to me. So as you seek me with your whole heart, I'll be over here. <laughs> In the waiting room. In the waiting room. I'm in the lobby. Oh, goodness. Because you understand, people don't articulate the psychological issues of Christianity. See, we have the pneumatic down pat, you know, the fruit of the nine gifts of the spirit. We got the fruit of the spirit. We got the spirit of love. We got the spirit of the mind. But we forget that in that, in the soul is the spirit of this world. And so I know as we're going forth in the kingdom, loving Jesus. My honey needs give him a nice song. But as we're going forth into this future thing, we have to accept that the church does not know God's soul. And he said, and my soul, if any man draws back, my soul, Hebrews 10, my soul will have no pleasure in him. So you might be born of his spirit, and so you have his divine nature. But so did all of those other people that were in heaven before he got to us. But God's soul is what you have a problem with. You don't like his psychological self. His soul bothers you. And, and you need to research it. I spent a lot of time studying his soul. See, that's why people are asking, answering me by the spirit, and I'm talking to you about his soul. So we got the spirit, and we've got the body. 
But that soul, the soul of the Almighty, most people won't even tell you God has a soul. And yet Jesus says, I'm a sip. My soul. <laughs> Jesus said his soul went to hell, which is why you cannot say that your soul will not end up in hell. He went to hell as the son of the living God. He went to hell as a sinless sacrifice. He went to hell as a man that did not sin. He went to hell as the author of the scripture. He went to hell as the finisher of our faith. He was still sent to hell for the wages of sin is death. I don't care what they say. (laughs) If God sent his sinless son to hell to pay for sin that God himself put on him. He never committed a sin, never. Tempted in all points. God put sin on Jesus and that immediately disqualified him for his return home, which is why you must be born again. And then you must be separated from sin. So you walking around sporting the tattoos of a sinner. My God. I'm just saying. You can tell me all day long about Christian witches and Christian homosexuals and all of this other stuff that Satan got by y'all. But I'm telling you, all of that was put on the Son of God as the Son of Man. And it was put on him because creation was breathed into life by him, formed by him, decreed by him, so creation could only be redeemed by the one who made it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm just I'm because we keep talking that. You keep saying that because you think heaven and earth are about moral conduct and behavior. Your behavior is a literal a broadcast of your condition, mm-hmm. your beliefs, your values, and your conditions. You, as a man thinks in his heart, as a person thinks in their heart, that's who they are. The person who thinks they're Superman going to keep on trying to be Superman till they fall off something and die. <laughs> what you think, and if you think you're a Christian, then guess what? You will look like a Christian, and you will not have Jesus compete with other deities, other cultures, trends, and rituals to stay in your vessel. Come on. You mar his vessel. See, everybody talk about, well, this is of God, and that's not of God, and they can't tell you. You mar the temple of the Holy Ghost. You put graffiti on his temple and cause people who look at you to believe in a lie. Oh, my God. That's his issue. And all liars have their part in the lake of fire. Revelation 21. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's in there. It's in there. See, but because they took you out the Bible, you couldn't defend yourself from the doctrines of devils, seducing spirits, and commandments of men. They took you out of the truth, and they took your truth uh, resource from you. See, the scriptures are how you vet your faith and the faith of others. You don't vet them by feelings. You don't vet them by agreement or disagreement. You don't vet them by approval or disapproval. You vet them by what God says. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Wow. That's a betting statement. So what is the, what, so what's the part being the betting? Is it the depart from iniquity or is it the name the name of Christ? Top tier, name the name of Christ. Response. Responder? Depart from iniquity. So I didn't do this 
because somebody decided that they want to acknowledge me and I, my mentor, this and that and all of that. Let me tell you some half my mentors told me, I would know, we don't know what to do with you. They're witnesses. Oh yeah. Then no, I, your problem is you're too smart. Your problem is you too Jesus. Your problem is you're too knowledgeable. Your problem is that I don't have the knowledge to meet you. So I've had two mentors that told me I will be your mother in the Lord, but that other stuff, no. So we have some questions for you. And then they ask me questions. I helped one get the Holy Ghost back, my mentor. And I just went and got him because people told me I was supposed to have him. Right. But you can't talk to him. You cannot have a mentor you can't talk up to. Mm -hmm. I couldn't talk up to him. I couldn't ask him what was going on with me and God. And then we got to the point that I I tried to get a a covering, and I I knew it. I'm telling you, I'm going to share this with you because you'll like this. Mm -hmm. I knew it. I saw go, and I choose, did it three times, and I go and I choose these coverings because I'm thinking, well, God, they say I should have a covering. You know, and I'm trying to be. you were challenged on it. All the time. And so, and but the coverings knew that it was a farce. Come on, who are we kidding? So, but anyway, so I go, and so the first one says to me, uh, says something to me about what I have to start doing. The Holy Ghost starts kicking up inside. Those of you who have a real strong portion of Jesus, y'all know he starts punching. Yeah. Man, he starts banging. Knock, knock, knock. Don't you dare. <laughs> okay? And so I go back and tell him, and obviously I'm dropped. So I do it a second time. I'm thinking, okay, so I won't tell him it's Jesus. I'll just, me and Jesus, will just, we'll just work it out. And so I do it the second time, and they start telling me all of the things I have to do and the things that I can and cannot say. There it is. Oh, my God. So, I, I mean, you know, because until you get to that place in God where you're a lot, you're just like that kid in school who wants to be liked. You just follow the crowd to be liked so that somebody will talk to you. I about that today, <laughs> Okay? And you just want to be like, can you just like me? Yeah. And so I know that you're not like me. Because you like me. And so I got to that. God didn't say anything for about three weeks. I promise you. And he didn't say anything. But the problem is we have such a vibrant relationship, very vibrant, very fertile, and very forceful. I started feeling bad because I said, man, I know. And this is what I told him. I said, I know you're upset. And I know you're getting ready to break this relationship, aren't you? (laughs) I know it. I know it. I promise you. I know he, he, he said, I did not call you for this. He said, and if they don't, if, if I'm not enough man over you, he said, then they're not my men. Because my men know that I will have no other God before me and that I have a right to choose and I consecrate anything I want to what I want. So I'm knowing that I'm in a bed and I'm like, well, I'm going to start saying goodbye because I know this is going to die. Sure enough, you know, when God doesn't want something, he put that sword of division in there. And, baby, we couldn't agree on a tree. <laughs> no. We couldn't agree on a tree. Now, they go out and tell the world I'm unsubmissive and all of that because they won't say that they knew I could not be mentored by them. See, I can't be mentored by what's beneath me. Why, why would I even need a mentor? Well, you can tell that our church belief systems in so many ways are backwards. Mm-hmm. You would not say to, let's just say, a Bill Gates, Mm-mm. 
Well, who do you answer to? Even though we're using all of your products in everything we do and have built our businesses on the fabric and materials of what you've made to actually chat. Now, you would say a question. Okay, so, I mean, who do you talk to? Like, who? Mm -hmm. I want to know. Yeah, yeah, I want to know who you can roll with. But to say, well, I'm sorry, I can't download your product until I know that you are submitted to somebody and accountable, even though the evidence. You got my stuff. You run it with my your hands as being a covering. Thank you. But I, but I am, I a am covering, a covering, and I have colleagues. Yeah, come on. But I am a covering, and so that kind of like out in in and out of the church, and of course yeah. the whole female piece. You yeah. know, you you have to have a covering because you're yeah. a woman. Yeah, and they don't have a covering. They don't have to have a covering. But that's what women didn't wreck the church. So, I'm just gonna go well, on. How, how did we wreck it? They, we, they never gave us a chance. We probably would have been just as bad as y'all, but would anybody know? So we get away clean. Our cover is we weren't in charge. I was the missionary. I was the evangelist. The evangelist, the choir member. But the last one. I'm so glad you brought that up because it slides in with the last one. So the last mentor I had, I'm sitting there and I'm going through. I'm being slammed left and right. I am, people are attacking me left, right, because you know when you're a female, most male mentors don't think you need, that you should be rescued or covered by them because in their mind, you're punished because you're out of your place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if you, so if you're a woman and you're being mentored by a male, a lot of them will just ignore you. Now, they'll dump money on their sons. They'll go and pay their debt, keep them from failing. All right. they sons, but they can't do daughters. And that's the thing. Most male mentors I met, now that's not the body of Christ. Man, God, there are people. But I'm saying those that I've met over 30-plus years cannot mentor women because in their mind they find it too difficult. When you just say they have coverings, they find it too difficult to uh, validate a woman because it conflicts with their theological foundations. Okay. And if a woman is suffering, especially if they could tell their friends, well, we just leave her alone and just let life take its course. So I'm sitting there and I'm slammed. I'm losing house. I'm losing building. I'm losing people. I'm getting email. I, it is horrible. These women lived it with me. And... My mentor said to me, your problem is that you're too smart. <laughs> so you're saying I'm okay. being pummeled because I'm too smart and then proceeded to change his number wow. so that okay. or not answer the call because I'm thinking surely this can't be happening. Now, this is over and over again. You know, so, and I said that. So the Holy Ghost had told me that morning, he had me, he quoted Jeremiah. He said, what man will rule over her? Wow. That evening, it was over. And I knew it was over because when I talked to him again, he said, when I was telling him I was going to do this whole Apostles Encyclopedia, which I am working on, um, when I said that, it was a matter of, no, well, you got, no, we got to approve this. And, you know, you can't approve a pioneer because you don't have what the pioneer is getting. You can't approve a trailblazer because it hasn't been out there yet. You cannot approve a catalyst, you know, and initiate it because you haven't seen it, you know. And so you know, the church is, is, is accustomed to making judgments on what it hasn't seen, hasn't touched, hasn't even been into existence. They're making a judgment on you being chose to, chosen to do it. Mm-hmm. And so because I was chosen to do it, I was like, what? And so every time mentors are going to approve or disapprove. And if you are a pioneer or whatnot, that could be a little difficult. Now, there are some quality ones. I didn't meet them. 
I don't know where they were. They was hiding somewhere. Maybe I kept going down the wrong street. I'm I'm known for turning into the wrong street. I know street. you went down a lot of streets. I did. Okay, so a lot of streets. But there are those that will see God's hand on you and recognize that what God gave you is for the future mm-hmm. and not punish you in the present for pursuing it. Yeah. And for most of what God gave me, and it's a lot, it's, I look around and think, man, Jesus, you sure got some knowledge and talent. Okay, and those endowments, uh, the assessments, uh, five assessments, web-based, all Holy Ghost, all by what he gave me. And, and, and see, God did, you know, when we, people say God gave them something, they get a book. And they write the book and say, God gave it to me. But they don't get the wisdom and all of the management of the outgrowth and whatever out of it. Many people, you got the book, buy it, I'm going to take this book around, I'm going, and that's good, write your book, please, okay, and I'm going to take it around, I'm going to teach it, the end. I, I was reading an article in, I think, the Jude- uh, Encyclopedia Judah, Judaica, something like that, I was reading an article, and they said, what set Moses apart was Moses did not just get writing, he got the entire construct, okay. infrastructure, and architecture of a nation. In other words, a body of people that would change the world. When I first studied what Ph.D. meant, um, which I think is still powerful, when I first studied what Ph.D. meant, I was surprised to say that it actually meant developing, creating, or advancing something that changes how things are done in a particular field or area. You don't just, it's not a perpetuation, right? It's, a, it's an elevation or advancement. So I was studying, because you know, I study everything. And I was blown away because I also understood, and when I teach my apostles, I understood apostles, chief apostles, alter how life is done by upgrading it to its next destiny. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, you, because you can say you're a world changer, but if you never get to the world or the world never responds to what you've done, you've not done that. Now, all the apostles didn't do that, but Jesus picked the three that would. Yeah. He he literally reveals his secrets to the three he would. He took them on the mountain. For Israel, he took one on the mountain. For the church, he took three. When he was on the mountain, it was Moses and God, Moses and Yahweh. When he goes to the mountain again, we've got five. Talk about fivefold. We've got Moses. We've got Elijah. We've got Peter. We've got James. And we got John. Mm-hmm. Isn't that powerful? Mm-hmm. See, that's theology the way the authors of scripture would tell it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's got five on the mountain. And so uh, the two, Moses and Elijah, have already, uh, they're already at Omega. They done, because they, they, they finished their course. Remember, they didn't even see, Moses died and went right to heaven. Elijah didn't even bother dying. He just, he just went on up. <laughs> you know? And so I say this to you because Jesus recognized in Peter, James, and John the men who would bring his kingdom to earth and establish how worship of the Almighty and how life on earth would be under the Christ. Hmm. Now, I think it's, because um, we're, we're wrapping up, but I think it's very, oh, well, we wrapped. I think it's very interesting that even though he took Peter, James, and John, James being Peter, uh, John's twin, I think it's interesting that even though James was killed, Jesus always had his brother James in mind. Hmm. And so I think that that's, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, Peter, the stone, John, Grace, and James, Jacob. 
Mm-hmm. He's bringing everything forward into the economies of the uh, of the ecclesia. See, I don't call New Testament Old Testament like that. I may write it because it's familiar, but in my mind, I don't think that. I think prototype less um, prototype. Excuse me, forgive me. Archetype versus prototype. Mm. So the, the the prototype is obviously Israel, but the archetype is what came from heaven, the ecclesia. Well, guys, it's over. Okay. Are you going to do a fundraiser? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Y'all know it's time to pass the plate, so we're going to sew. <laughs> we're going to sew. Rachel's going to put it on the screen. You can sew cash app. Oh, yeah. uh, Dr. Paula Price is her handle there. PayPal users, you can do paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. And if you're doing text to give, of course, you can do 918-608-1378. Time to sew into this word. So I want you, to, want you guys to take a moment to do that. It's a really important piece of this broadcast. Um, and we don't want to neglect to do that. So let's take a moment to sow a seed. You've got those three different ways, and they're on the screen for you. Cash app, PayPal, or text to give. And I want to take a moment before I leave to thank every one of you for my birthday presents and gifts and love and outpouring. It was a magnificent birthday, and you made it happen. I bless you for your seeds. I bless you not just with gratitude, but I bless you with appreciation because nothing but love and respect would would cause that to happen for me or anyone in my seat. So I thank you for it. I also commissioned the angels of God to make your birthdays a blessed time, too, throughout this entire year. May your family, friends, and relatives also appreciate you with the kind of love that you appreciated me and that you showered on me on my birthday, my 67th birthday. I don't mind saying that I lived and I tackled and I won. (laughs) I got another year that I won. God bless you. See you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty. Until then, have a great weekend. We're God's (laughs) We're God's You like that? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Are we?